Hello and welcome to the Silver Screen and Roll post-game podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin, host of these things moving forward. A little smoother entering this one than the last one I did with Harrison. I'm joined tonight by Sabrina Merchant, who, hey, this is a, this is a nice return to basketball. This is fun. Yeah, I mean, both games tonight were excellent. And, uh, you know, if Paul George's three-pointer had gone in, I feel like we all would have been a little more subdued on this episode, but... We're good. <laughs> it's 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 great to see Paul George is ready to go for the playoffs. Like he's just he's just <laughs> hit the ground running, fully prepared for for those big moments uh, where where he can be. Because what was his? He tried to go by playoff P, right, or something like that. Yes. Yeah. And even like Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony were like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> we know we're teammates and all. We have to support you, but like. Yeah, like maybe it's like play often and then the P stands for like pissed his pants. <laughs> like it's just, it, 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 he, there might be a parenthesis situation there where it's an extension of the word that's actually there. But no, but you, you, you touched on it. You hit it on the head. Basketball is back and both games go get down to the wire. Uh, the Lakers obviously is going to be the focus of this, but I really feel like the story of the night is that really felt like just one of those really exciting Thursday nights in the regular season. Yeah, I totally agree. It, uh, it was like a classic NBA TNT Thursday, right? Like you get Reggie Miller on second game because Reggie Miller is always calling the LA game. For some reason. <laughs> I understand like when, you know, he actually has to be in Los Angeles to call the game and he's already based on the West coast. Yes. You sent him there. They're all in Orlando. He doesn't have to call the LA game anymore. We can, <laughs> Switch things up. <laughs> I've actually, is this a hot take? I think this might be a hot take. I've actually come around on not just Reggie Miller, but like the, the TNT crews in general. Oh, I mean, the first TNT crew with Ian Eagle and Sam and Gundy was delightful. Yeah. Stan is just born to do this. Um, and yeah, Twitter, I, I apparently. <laughs> yeah. I, I generally like Reggie because um, I just think he like enjoys the game, right? He might yeah. say some stupid things, but he's having a good time and like, that's all you can really ask. I mean, obviously you want more than that, but like I enjoy that he's having a good time and that I can have a good time while I'm watching, you know? Yeah. I mean, the bar is just slightly higher than the bar I set for myself with uh, color commentators on national games. But, but yeah, my bar is essentially set at just sound like you are happy to be there. You know, <laughs> just, just sound like this is not something you, you loathe in, entirely. Cause sometimes you, you listen to Jeff Van Gundy and it just sounds like, he just doesn't want to be there. He's more interested in, in literally anything and complains about everything about the game. And, and yeah, it was, and, and maybe, maybe I'm, I'm just overly optimistic or, or I'm offering more praise on just everything in general. Cause a, it's so happy to have basketball back when it looked like there was a chance that we were going to lose this season entirely. And then B because the Lakers beat uh the the los angeles chicken wings and it's just i I, just in general i'm really happy uh you know to to have all this back so even reggie miller is is going to receive some some positive vibes here yeah i mean there was there was actually a lot to love in that laker game and i think uh the thing that really stood out to me is Deion waiters pretty great fit for this team yeah, I well, all right. So I, I have a bit of a caveat there, but go ahead and go ahead and expand. I I liked most of his minutes. I just love that Dion um, is always comfortable going to the rack and getting his own bucket, which not a lot of players on the Lakers are capable of doing. 
especially against mm-hmm. a set defense. Um, I did think that it was weird that he wasn't completely, you know, tied to the, you know, like tied to Anthony Davis's minutes. I thought it was weird that he played with LeBron a little bit more, but um, hopefully that gets addressed. <laughs> but in general, like just really confident, you know, whenever there's an open shot, probably too confident, but I appreciate the confidence nonetheless. It's a really good ball handler against the Clippers pressure, which is, again, something that's kind of lacking on our roster. And I just like any guy who can, you know, capably get a layup whenever he wants to. That's the kind of thing that Rondo was doing in the last Laker Clipper game. And we brought in Dion to, you know, be that replacement playmaker. And he, he did an excellent job of it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that, especially the part where it was weird that he was out there with LeBron. Uh, I, I just don't, I don't, like Waiters does have some value, at least more value than Rondo. So it's more explicable than the Rondo LeBron minutes, but uh, because, because Waiters can kind of still stretch the floor, but, but in general, his value to the Lakers are going to be those, those LeBron less minutes. And, you know, it, this is, this is, I thought it was a perfect Dion Waiters game just to prepare everybody for what this experience is going to be like, where, I tweeted out that it was hurricane season on, on waiters Island. And then immediately, I don't think he missed a shot after that, or, or he didn't make a a huge bungling play uh, after that. And, you know, I believe if you look at the box score, yeah. So he was a game high plus 17. (laughs) Better than Kawhi Leonard. (laughs) Let's do this. (laughs) Kawhi finishes plus 16. Uh, LeBron finished at a minus four because he struggled for for large portions of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Kyle Kuzma at plus twelve. You have Alex Caruso at plus nine, and Dion Waiters. Good things come to those who waiters. Is a, is is it plus seventeen? It's impressive. Yeah, and I um uh, I was actually texting with a friend of mine during the game, and I said that you know Dion was the you know you're always looking for who's going to be the Lakers' third best player on a given night, right? And I mm-hmm. said that it was Dion. Then I was like, actually, that's kind of disrespectful to Kuz because Kuzma has been tremendous. Um, and I don't, I don't feel like we ever give Kuzma enough credit on the defensive end. And that's really where I thought he shined today. Even with like, you know, 16.7 rebounds, I just thought anytime we have like KCP or even on a switch with like Alex Caruso guarding Kawhi Leonard, he just eats it up. You know, if he has somebody mm-hmm. remotely smaller than him, he just acts like there's no defender in front of him. And Kuzma, you know, may not be like the caliber of defender that Caruso is, but he has something that Caruso doesn't. He's just bigger. And he used that to his advantage. And I thought that he actually like was a meaningful deterrent for Kawhi Leonard at certain points today, which are words I never thought I'd actually say, but credit to Kuz. I, he really brought it. Well, I, I guess because Kawhi is so great, right? A, what was the word? A deterrent? What was the word? The deterrent. Adjective? Yeah. Well, the, the, like that's that's basically the best you're looking for with Kawhi, mm-hmm. is just somebody who can, you know, stand in front of, front of him long enough to make it so that it isn't line drives to straight line drives to the basket, and and yeah, that's where Kuzma was, and you know, earlier in the scrimmages, uh, their their first scrimmage he played against Dallas in a game that, you know, a lot of people and and rightly so, offensively especially, Kuzma struggled. But uh, in, in that game, one thing that I really noticed was he was seriously pushing himself against Luca. He was mm-hmm. really focused to the point where 
you know, he got himself beat a couple times. He picked up a couple fouls. You know, it wasn't it wasn't all roses when he was trying to do that, but he was pushing himself there just to kind of understand what the boundaries might be. Uh, and and you know, I, I I actually really liked at the time that he was doing that because in a game like this, and then moving forward, he's going to have a little bit better understanding. Because how how rare is it really that? you get to play scrimmages right before you play meaningful games. You know, how, how rare is it where you can go out there and you could try some stuff and, and try to add to your games and then maybe a couple weeks later be in the playoffs, you know, and, and, and that's where, that's where he found himself and he took advantage of that situation. And tonight, you know, as, as nice as it, as it is to look at him going four of seven from three point range four or five from the free throw line. And, and you talked about the rebounding and, and, uh, you know, the block shot and a couple assists here and there. But I, I think more important than anything was there was zero back down to the way he approached guarding Kawhi, whether mm-hmm. it was in switching situations or, or if it was just a straight up, you know, this is who I have to guard going down the court kind of situation. Uh, they hunted him. And, and the idea was that they were any team that the Lakers were going to face was really going to hunt him. And in, in, tonight or last night's game depending on when people are listening to this uh he really he really showed out and you know one thing that pete and i talked a lot about and it's kind of a running theory on our part but in these big games he's tended to step up at least defensively offensively obviously that's going to come and go but at least defensively he has at least tried to be that deterrent you talked about and tonight was another example of that made even more positive by the fact that he was actually somewhat successful in some of those spots. Yeah. And I thought there was actually one sequence where he got switched on to Zubac and he actually like yeah. kind of stood him up too, which mm-hmm. I don't think Zoo is like anywhere close to where he's supposed to be because, you know, he still winded. had to deal with the coronavirus. Right. And he's, he's not really back yet, but it was still just impressive to see him have that physical presence there. Um, but yeah, like I think what you were saying about how Kuzma stepped up defensively in these big games is just entirely correct because I always think it back to this Boston game, right? The one where LeBron hit that uh, fadeaway over Jalen Brown to win it. I think it was a Sunday. Um, but we put Kuz on Tatum and that sort of changed the game for us because Tatum was eating us alive. <laughs> and Kuzma, like he's the only other wing size defender we have on the roster because LeBron can't do everything. And Danny Green, bless his heart, is only 6'5", I think. Mm-hmm. So just guys can kind of shoot over him, right? And you can't do that over Kyle Kuzma. So I was I was very pleased with that effort. And I also thought he did some nice, like, secondary ball handling. Uh, in a lot of those units, um, Caruso was bringing the ball up and then sort of letting Kuz, you know, go into the next action. And he wasn't, like, overly aggressive hunting a shot. I mean, there's still some above the break threes. I think his first two shots were things that I just ab- objectively hated. Uh, they were both, like, wing threes that he should just never be taking. <laughs> but after that, like, you know, when he shoots from the corners, even this year when he's, you know, been shooting, what, 29.7% from three, he's still, like, a 50% shooter from the corners. It's just he's so, so bad anywhere else. But if he gets to his spots, like – there's no reason why Kuzma shouldn't be the third best player. And that's, you know, coming from somebody who thinks that this is a stupid discussion and should be Danny Green all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one, one thing with Kuzma to always keep in mind is a, how difficult it is to be the third best player in on a team with two superstars, the way that LeBron and AD are right. Like 
even Kevin Love has said that it's been a struggle. Chris Bosch said it was a struggle. No, it was, it was, it was, a, it was made difficult for those guys because of the roles that they had before they became the third best player in that situation. But also just in general, you don't necessarily know where your looks are going to come from. You're going to be asked to do a lot of the dirty work that can sometimes, you know, make your legs a little heavy on the other end of the court, you know, and, 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 and just in general, you're, you're, you're being asked at most times as a square peg to be, to fit into a round hole. And, you know, for Kuzma, one thing that I was really hoping was that the coaching staff was really uh, persistent with him over the, the hiatus to, you know, show him, Hey, this is where we're looking you to take advantage here. And here's where we need you on this play. And here's where, how you should be standing when you're standing on this spot in this situation. Mm -hmm. And, and I really think that that it appears at least, you know, three scrimmages and now one game in to have paid some dividends because, you know, uh, the Dallas game obviously was, I, I, I guess I should say two scrimmages in one game because he didn't play in the third scrimmage, but, mm -hmm. but in the, in, in uh, the second scrimmage, especially he was focused not on where he should be on the court, but how he should be positioned as he's getting ready to shoot, right? He had a wider base, his hands were more ready. Uh, his release on those shots looked a lot more smooth because he was 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 positioned and, and knew where the ball was going to be coming from. And then tonight was an extension of that where, you know, he where where he, he had a more consistent release on his three pointer that like this is the first time in back to back games we've seen the same release from him, I would make the argument. <laughs> and, and 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 I think that, you know, part of it is because he saw some success in the previous game uh with with the technique, the shooting technique that he used. But I think more importantly than that was that he saw some success, some success with the approach to the game in general offensively. And, mm -hmm. and that allows him to be more confident to stick with the technique that he had last time and still focus on, on the minutia of what it takes to be a good consistent shooter. So, so yeah, I, I, you know, LeBron shutting down Kawhi and Paul George on the last play is, is really cool. And Anthony Davis, you know, playing the way that he did, obviously is is a great sign given the matchup and and what he's going to have to do but to me seeing Kuzma play the way that he did and play and do so confidently and in a way that would that feels at least somewhat sustainable not not to the extent mm -hmm. that he played tonight but at least kind of sort of sustainable uh that that's a huge development that might be the biggest development of of the the bubble nba yeah, it was funny because, you know, I'm, I'm going through Twitter and I'm seeing like these analysts who are generally pretty down on Kuzma who are just like, the Lakers got to get him back in the game. <laughs> like they can't <laughs> afford to have Kuzma sit for too long. Yeah, I thought that myself and I am like, it's a running joke between Christian and me in our Slack that, yeah. that, that, that that's the conversation that we've been having out for like two years or whatever it's been. Uh, and I found myself thinking, like, hey, there's only three and a half minutes left. Like, are we going to get this guy? And I was thinking about Kyle, that one, Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> it was wild. I was, and I was looking at the at the players on the court because I think the lineup they had before they brought Kuzma back out was uh, Caruso, KCP, Green, LeBron, and, mm -hmm. and AD. And I was looking and I was like, all right, so which of these guys am I cool with sitting down? And I found myself thinking, yeah, I guess it could be Green. I guess it could be KCP. Yeah. And I was like, what? What's going on? <laughs> What is going on here? But but yeah, overall it's a it's a it's a pretty big development, albeit in the one game sample size. But if that is something that continues and it's going to be something to watch uh moving forward through these next seven games and heading into the playoffs, if that is 
if Kuzma is even 70% of what he was tonight, then I, I feel even more confident. And this is me feeling, I, I actually like this Lakers roster more than I did the roster heading into, you know, when it had Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo. So I, like on top of on top of that, if Kuzma is now, you know, whatever version of this that he mm-hmm. can be moving forward, then yeah, the, the Lakers are a very different and a very dangerous team. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons why, like you know, we feel comfortable putting Kuzma into that closing lineup was the Lakers shooters weren't exactly ready to go today. Um, I don't know if that's like this is only the fourth game in Orlando. If the the gyms there are still different, like the sight lines are weird or if we really shouldn't be counting on Contavious Caldwell-Pope to hit threes in meaningful games. Um, you know, I'd hope that Danny Green would be hitting threes in meaningful games, but I'm just going to give him more time for that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I was watching with my brother and, you know, he was wondering like why J.R. Smith wasn't getting in more because like the majority of the shooting was coming from like Kuzma and Anthony Davis, which I don't, I don't love that Anthony Davis has to be the spacing threat like yeah. for himself. <laughs> And Kuzma, you know, I just don't think his three-point shooting has proven to be sustainable yet, right? So right. there still is, like, a, a dearth of shooting on this roster, which is kind of inevitable, I suppose. But that was, like, the one bummer that really stood out for me was just, like, I, I need KCP and Green to just be more consistent on the shots because they're getting really good looks. Yeah. I, well, I think – you know, the, the Lakers as a whole have really struggled against the Clippers from three-point range this year. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but against the Clippers especially, they they have tended to struggle. And then the Clippers being their first game, their first, like, real game here, like, you could really see it. Uh, you know, obviously the second quarter hasn't been kind to the Lakers in this matchup against the Clippers. But, you know, once both defenses really kind of ramped up, that's where you started seeing on Twitter – People start saying like, oh, yeah, that's right. These guys are rusty. Oof, this quarter is taking forever. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't have much rhythm here. And it's like, no, the, the defense is ahead of where the offense is for both these teams and has been basically for, for large chunks of the season. And, you know, for, for you know, a, a team like the Lakers where the shooting that's supposed to come this season uh, or, or, or in this bubble is hopefully coming from a guy who hasn't played in two years and another guy whose most recent headlines in the NBA have to do with a, a weed gummy. And then, you know, Kyle Kuzma, who is not exactly known for, for uh, consistent shooting. And then Danny Green, who even like at Danny Green is, is the kind of shooter where he'll have, a, you know, a, a six for eight nice, night and, right. and then he'll have like a one for five night, you know, he'll have a, a seven for nine night and then he'll go like a night like tonight where he has where he goes two for six from three point range. He's not like a consistent shooter. So if all of that, you know, of all of the Lakers, there are going to be nights occasionally where nobody is really hitting. And, you know, those nights, those stretches are going to be super ugly. It's just a matter of how well you can kind of stem the tide um, as that's going on. And, 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 you know, tonight, you mentioned Davis's outside shooting, but I really think a big chunk of why the Lakers were able to get over the hump for stretches where nobody was hitting shots was Davis was getting to the free throw line and, and tonight he goes 16 of 17 from there. Those are huge numbers uh, when everybody is struggling the way that the Lakers did against such a good defensive Clippers team. Cause it's not like, like, 
Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams are, are big parts of their bench, but they aren't big mm-hmm. parts of their defense. Like Correct. those guys, those guys aren't, you know, why the, de- the, the Clippers give the Lakers problems defensively. So this was the kind of team that the, the Lakers struggle with offensively. And, and, you know, we saw that we, we, and, and we're going to continue to see that. It's just a matter of who can either hit shots when they have to, or can LeBron and AD just be that tide that, that lifts all the ships uh, whenever they absolutely have to. And, you know, tonight we, for, for most of the game, LeBron wasn't able to, it was just, it was just kind of ugly. And then it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, um, you, you mentioned this, but the Lakers have shot 30.9% on threes against the Clippers this season. Mm. So that's including today's game. And that's, that's obviously not a figure that's going to get the job done on a regular basis. But um, I think, yeah, getting back to LeBron, I loved what LeBron did defensively today. I thought, you know, he was so locked in on his individual assignments, like the way he shut down Kawhi Leonard on that last possession of the first half, or, you know, that recovery on Jermichael Green late in the game, or, you know, even just like stuffing Paul George on the very final possession. Uh, Defensively, when he's locked in, which it's, it's, it's terrifying. Like, I, (laughs) I know we haven't seen that LeBron James very much in a Laker uniform, but I almost enjoy it more than like the dunking, you know, do everything offense. It's just, it's so impressive what he's able to do defensively that like, I'm not sure if the offense today was just like, he couldn't get it going or he wasn't aggressively trying to go to the basket. Like if he was trying to save that for something, but the LeBron that we saw in March, like was so single-minded on getting to the rim, like every possession against the Clippers. Mm -hmm. And he just didn't do that today. I don't know. Like he was listed as probable on the injury report with that growing. I don't know if that's still a thing or that, you know, everybody's just listed it probable at this time of year. <laughs> um, but maybe like he wasn't comfortable, you know, going to the basket on every possession, but like when he did, it still seemed like he was capable of scoring at will, like even when Kawhi Leonard was guarding him. Uh, so I'm not terribly worried about that because he's shown that capacity. And it just, to me, it seemed more like a, a lack of will rather than like being unable to do it against the Clippers defense. Yeah, well, I mean, we talked earlier about the shooters. So mm-hmm. when Lakers shooters aren't hitting, that means the defense can really sag in and, and get in LeBron's way when he's trying to get to the rim. So I think I think that played a factor. And also, like when you play as hard as LeBron was playing defensively, it's going to have an impact on on your offensive game, especially mm-hmm. when you haven't played in as long, right? So, and, and you're trying to still get your, your legs back. So I think all of that was factors, but <laughs> – He's also going up against the player who is maybe best equipped in the history yeah. of the sport to guard him. So that guy's pretty know, good. Yeah, <laughs> it's just that's what makes this this matchup so incredible. Is that like those guys? It felt like throwback basketball. You know, it felt like it felt like the '90s where, and even the the early kind of 2000s where the two best players on the court guarded each other. Just like that's just what was expected. Mm-hmm. No, there wasn't, there wasn't the, Hey, we got to print, we got to uh, protect Steph here. We have to, you know, we got to try to hide Steve Nash over here. You know, it was, it was two extraterrestrials yeah. in uh, LeBron and Kawhi Leonard that looked across the court at each other and was like, all right, we're doing this. Right. And, and yeah. it was, it was incredible. It, and that's what makes this series in particular, I think so important for the NBA. Yeah, because I think my, that's what everybody wants. 
Yeah, I think my favorite possession was actually that one at the end of the first half because it looked like somebody came to set Kawhi's screen. I want to say it was Jermichael Green, and he just sort of waved him off. He's like, no, I'm, I'm going at LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what everybody wants to see. You know? Exactly. Exactly. It's 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 such a great it's such a great matchup between two these two teams. Uh it's it's particularly fun to tweet Clippers fans on Twitter, all three of them. Uh and and you know, the the Lakers come away with the win. Again, they win 103 to 101 and kick off their uh eight seeding games. I think at this point they are just about mathematically promised the number one spot. Beating yeah, the they are, they're six and a half games ahead of the Clippers right now with seven to play. So I think yes. we're set. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's all but official. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's good to see as well. Uh, but, you know, also important that they picked up kind of sort of right where they left off heading into the, you know, before the season was postponed. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think this game was like important in the sense that like, they needed the win or, you know, for playoff positioning or like they needed to prove that they could beat the Clippers, but it would have sucked to lose to the Clippers without, you know, Montrezl Harrell and Lou mm-hmm. Williams and a compromised Patrick Beverly, because I don't, I don't think he played very many minutes today. Yeah. yeah he only got in for 16, 16 minutes, which is, you know, very far below his normal total. So it just would have yeah, been a, a lot of Reggie Jackson. <laughs> Yeah, that, was, that was way too much Reggie Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly why I thought Oklahoma City made the right decision trading him away. <laughs> I, I, I cracked this joke on Twitter or whatever, and it, I just found it perfect that somebody who, who exited Detroit has liberation on the back of his jersey. It's just so perfect. It's so perfect. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of this uh, recap episode of the Lakers first bubble game here, seven games to go. Then the postseason kicks off and uh, you know, these things are, these things are going to come quick. Uh, the, the Lakers, the NBA had to squeeze in all eight of these games uh, for all of the teams, all 22 of the teams that are, that are there. And, and also by the way, on nights where the Lakers aren't playing, there's plenty of reason for you to be tuned in. There's all kinds of teams that are going to be positioning themselves either to avoid the Lakers or to avoid mm-hmm. different matchups or whatever. Uh, so that's going to be something to watch. Personally, I would prefer the Lakers avoid the, the Rockets altogether. So mm-hmm. watching how their, the rest of their season plays out and, and the teams ahead of them or behind them in the standings, how that goes is going to be interesting to watch as well. So we are back. The NBA is back. Sports are back. We have WNBA basketball, NBA basketball. You have baseball is in, soccer is 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 in. Uh, you know, hockey I guess is is also underway now. So so fun seeds, fun summer ahead for this feed in general and for all of your sports as sports fans out there. Make sure you guys tune in not to not just to post game shows here, but also to you know all of the rest of the shows across this feed. A lot of good hosts doing great work. Uh, except for Harrison, and, uh, and, and we're all just trying to carry him. So stay safe out there, and we will be back to talk to you tomorrow. Not we, somebody else.